Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to Monday, another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. That's right. Yeah, it's Monday. I'm here. Pastor Rod, what was On your day favorite NFL game that you watched yesterday? Man, the one with that, where the guy, he was throwing the football, and the other guy, he was running so fast, Did and he caught, it? It he caught it He caught while he was running, Wow! and he scored a touchdown. Wow. I was amazed, wow. man. Was it the blue team, or the red team, or the white mm, team, or the orange team? They, um, you know... It's probably the you know what it was the blue team with the star on their on their helmet, the Cowboys. Yep. Yeah, that's our local team. That's our team because yeah. I'm a, I'm a home team kind of guy. There you go. You know what they call that? They call that being a homer. A homer. Yeah. When you're all like about dope. your home teams, you are a homer. Dope. Like the philosopher guy uh, or the no, like you are you you home your fandom. Oh. Like yeah, I think that's that would define me because I, I want to be a home team kind of guy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, ha- I don't have any swag yet, though. That's the thing I, I'm missing. Well, and you kind of got to pay attention a little bit to the home teams to be a home team kind of guy. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, then <laughs> I, I may not be a home team kind of guy then. I mean, I, I, when we were in the Orange County, I was paid loose attention to the Angels. It got to a point where I could name a few of them. Okay. But see, that's, that's, uh, well. And we right. went to a few games. We did as, as the church. Tailgated and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Does that yeah. not count? That I mean, it. At what level of commitment do I have to have to be a homer? Can I can I can I just be like I live here and I, I profess to be loyal to that team? Yeah, I mean that that's that's casual fandom. I cheer for them, right? Like I want them to win. Does that not matter? Yeah, that's great. And casual fandom is good. Okay. Yeah. Stop. I feel like you're judging me. I'm a little bit, but that's okay because I probably am a little bit of a sports idolater more than I mm. would care to admit, but mm. um, I'm definitely a homer. Is Isaiah, so. <laughs> is Isaiah talking to you over here? He might things? be. They would wow. talk. He would talk about the Rangers and the Cowboys Ooh. and the Stars and the Mavericks. Less the Mavericks. If he were riding to North Texas today, what would he say? He would say, repent or I'm going to remove your lampstand. No, he wouldn't. I hope. <laughs> I pray. Um, but hey, let's get into Isaiah. Let's do it. Isaiah chapter four. Isaiah four is, uh, is a small one, short one. We... A wee chapter in a wee Isaiah. Chapter, but super important. I mentioned last time that inclusio, here's the back half of the inclusio in chapter four, where he's talking about this future. And he says, in that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautified and glorious. And the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. Now, there's a question about this word branch, because in Zechariah three, verses eight through 10, uh, the branch is personified there and it's connected to the coming of the Messiah. And so there are some that believe that this is to be can, read back into this passage as well, because again, we're talking about the millennial kingdom. One of the things that will mark the millennial kingdom is the reign of the Messiah, the literal thousand year reign, we believe of the Messiah on earth. That's Jesus, who is the branch that Zechariah talks about. And here in that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautified and glorious. And so here there may be an allusion there to the Messiah that Isaiah is making. Here. I think I see that there. Yeah. I mean, I, I read that and I, I feel fairly confident that's where he's going with that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, a, a pleasant picture here, right? There's everyone who is there. I, I love this in verse three. They're the ones that are there. They're the ones recorded for life in Jerusalem. Mm. If you think to Revelation three, five, he right. talks about the book of life 
being present the and the, the names written there. And they're the ones who have had their, their filth washed away. And the daughters of Zion, the ones tinkling their feet <laughs> have been cleansed. Um, it's, it's such a good picture. It's this breath of fresh air. And again, it's this inclusio uh, going back to chapter two saying, okay, in the middle, this is the current state of Jerusalem. And this is what's coming if you don't repent. But if you do repent, here's what could be and what will be in the future. Yeah, and I love this because so often we read these heavy books, these heavy judgments, and, and it's hard to read. I mean, we when I was talking about the tinkling girls, um, the verse the right the verse right after that is pretty heavy. You know, yeah. I'm going to lay bare your your private parts. Yeah, um, that's not a positive thing. No, God quickly. I mean, I feel like God does this so often. He will quickly counter everything he says with, but yet there's hope. Yeah. Let me show you what restoration can look like. Yeah. God, even in his severity, even in his wrath, he remembers mercy. Yeah. I love that. Yep. Yeah. Well, in chapter five, then uh, we get into this, this picture and, and kind of the theme of chapter five here is, is the grace and kindness of God is offered and yet it's spurned by his people. And then there's judgment that follows. So Pastor Rod, walk us through this opening illustration here. He gives us this, this picture of a vineyard that God has prepared. So the vineyard, I, I you're going to want to remember this as you read through your Bible. The vineyard analogy, the, the vineyard illustration is meant to give you a picture for God being the farmer. He's the one who he's the one who tends to the vine. And, and this actually is carried over into the New Testament. Jesus says, I am the vine. You're the branches. Um, God, the father himself is the one who protects her, who, who shields her, who does everything he can to to produce a vineyard that is fruitful. But yet, bottom of verse two this vineyard, Israel, Judah, she yielded wild grapes, not the intended result. And so he's now saying to the people, he's reasoning with them, well, what more was there to do for my vineyard? What have I not done? How have I not cared for her? And look, look what I get out of this. I get wild grapes. And he says, you know, you know what's going to happen now? Verses five and onward, I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. The vineyard that was meant to be God's pride and joy to produce such good fruit is now going to be judged by God in that he's removing her protections. She's now going to be made, uh, made a, a tra- trampled down and make it a waste so that it should not be pruned or hoed in verse six. It's going to produce briars and thorns because he's removing his hand of grace upon her. Verse seven, the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah in case you weren't clear on that. And what, what are the wild grapes? He looked for, uh, his pleasant planting. He looked for justice, but instead of justice, there's bloodshed. He looked for righteousness as a fruit. And yet instead there's outcries of violence and, and, and injustice. Yeah, and so the the section that precedes that then, that proceeds, not precedes, but proceeds from it, uh, are these, the section of these six woes. And the, the woes are, we read it and we, we lose some of the significance here, but the word woe carried the idea of damnation and, uh, and judgment with it. And so it was strong when Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, woe, woe, to, you. woe to you, scribes yeah. and Pharisees. It's heavy. This is a weighty word. Yeah. I wonder why we don't use this word anymore. Whoa. I don't know. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> the same Maybe he messed Whoa. it up. Yeah. Whoa. I, don't I know so. Kung Fu. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he identifies these uh, these particular sins. And the first one there in verse eight has to do with the 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 abuse of the land that, that God had, had promised them the land, that the land was the Lord's to give and the Lord's to assign. And they were trying to amass more and more land for themselves. This is the injustice he was talking about. Right. And uh, in in taking it from the poor and, and amassing more and more property for themselves. And then in verse 11, you've got the, this woe that has to do with self-indulgence. Uh, those that rise early in the morning to drink, 
tarry late into the evening, wine inflames them. Uh, they don't regard the deeds of the Lord. They're not giving thought to the Lord at all. So then what's going to happen in verse 13? They're going to go into exile for lack of knowledge. Notice here what he's doing. You're greedy for land and you're going to ignore me. Okay, then you're going to lose your land by going into exile. And the reason is, is because of your lack of knowledge, your ignorance mm-hmm. of me. You've willfully chosen willfully not to ignorance. know me. Right. right. It's not like, oh, someone didn't tell them. Right. No, God told them. He gave them every opportunity, but right. they chose not to know. Exactly. Exactly. And the result in verse 15 is man is going to be humbled. Each one brought low and the eyes of the haughty are brought low. That's a repeated refrain in this section here, the humility that comes when the Lord judges. Mm-hmm. But the Lord of hosts, in contrast, verse 16, is exalted in justice and the holy God shows himself holy in righteousness. Then we get another woe in verse 18. And here's the woe of the the morally indifferent and perverted. They're drawing iniquity behind them with cords of falsehood and sin with cart ropes. Um, it's, it's, it's following them everywhere they go. They're daring God to act. The the arrogance in verse 19, dude, I I was like, what are you guys doing? Right. Test the Lord. Oh, right. Crazy. Right. Let it be quick. Okay. Bring it then. Let the council, the Holy one draw near and let it, (laughs) let us know it. Yeah. Woe to those. Here it is. We talked about it yesterday. What are those who call evil, good and good, evil darkness for light, light for darkness, bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. That's where we are. That's where we are as a society right now. Not everybody. There is a there is a remnant. Yes, boy, we are surrounded by people who are doing this very thing. Yes, so scary. It's horrible, horribly scary. Because God is the same today as He was yesterday, today, forever. Right? Yeah. It's not as though God is is like the the old senile grandpa up there who's like, oh, aren't they cute? Look at how they're they're trying to figure this. No, Mm. this grieves him and angers him just like it did during this day as well. And we sit here and we stand up in the seventh inning of the baseball games and sing God bless America. Mm. why why right i mean imagine somebody standing up during isaiah's day and singing god bless judah right why well this would be like that formality that Ju- that it that isaiah condemns like, yeah i don't want your sacrifices exactly. i don't want your songs of god bless america get me out of your ma- get your name get my wife's name out your mouth right right, <laughs> right. what that kind of thing that was will smith by the way in case yeah you're not sure who i was talking about yeah i followed i tracked I was yeah. talking to them. Yeah, fair enough. And then uh, the next woe, verse 21, is the, the woe of, of subjectivity. Those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Well, uh, what I think is true is what matters. What I think is right yeah, is my what truth. matters. Yeah. My yeah. truth, your truth, that kind of thing. Again, are we there today? I, th- I think so. Yep. And then in verse 22, the perversion of justice. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and tr- deprive the innocent of his right. Is it their intoxication that produces that result? Or is there some kind of connection that I, I didn't see with that one? I, I, I think there is the intoxication. I, I just think it's also their character. I think the intoxication may be bringing out the, the reality of their hearts, mm-hmm. right? It's it's the the depth of their sin and and when uh, with wine follows the 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 um, the willingness to kind of let loose when otherwise you might be more reserved. And so I think this is bringing out some of what is, is there in their hearts. This reminds me of what uh, Lemuel's mom told him. It's not for for you to drink strong drink. Oh, mm. Lemuel Kings, uh, not for Kings to drink sw- strong wine, because then you might, you might preach justice. You might do something yep. unjustly. And that's exactly what's happening here. Yep. Yeah. Verse 25. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people and he stretched out his hand against them and struck them and the mountains quaked. Again, this is in past tense, but this is still a future judgment that's coming, but it's, it's the certainty and surety of it. Verse 26. He will raise a signal for the nations far away and whistle for them from the ends of the earth and behold, quickly, speedily they come. I wrote down Habakkuk next to this because of, of the description of Babylon as swift and fast and devouring there in the opening of chapter one of of Habakkuk. Um, 
they carried it off or verse 29 they carry it off and none can rescue and then the, the tragic end there darkness and distress the light is darkened by its clouds wow what a powerful display of i mean god's justice his judgment mm. and his mercy it's all mixed together we should never take for granted the fact that God stays his judgment. Yeah. We keep on hinting at it because it's just so profoundly relevant right now. We read Isaiah thinking, oh, I'm glad that, that God's not you know, doing his thing right now. But man, we don't know. Right. We look around at America and we see, we're, we're not Israel, by the way. America is not Israel. Let's just be clear. Right. True. We are not the same people, but God certainly has blessed America. We see the fruit of it. We see the, the results of a historically Judeo-Christian nation. Mm-hmm. And, and now because we're on such the polar opposite end of where we started, I, I do fear that what reason does God have to protect us? What reason does God have to, to keep us in the picture? Now, every time I read my Bible, I still haven't seen the United States of America <laughs> anywhere in, no. in God's plan in the future. So I think, okay, we got Russia, we got China, we've got uh, nations that have a good incentive to, to rid themselves of us for different reasons. And again, I'm not saying we're Israel. That, that, let me be clear, but I am saying God still deals with people yep. as a just God. And I think you ought, to, you ought to be praying for America yep. that we would not take for granted the, the staying hand of God for his justice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, chapters one through five kind of have provided the backdrop. Chapter six, then it goes backwards, I think, to the call of the prophet. Oh, you're one of those guys, huh? I am. Okay. I, am. I think this is the original call of Isaiah. I think this is depicting when Isaiah was first commissioned to, to be the prophet. Um, and so I think in chapters one through five, you, you got the, 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 the landscape, for lack of a better term, of how Israel was at this time. And then Isaiah is in this little interlude in chapter six, you're giving us a, a glimpse back at the actual calling. And then verses chapters seven through 12 uh, represent the fulfillment of that call. When God said, hey, you're going to prophesy and people aren't going to listen to you. And you're going to say, see, and they're not going to see here and they're not going to hear. Then I think chapter seven through 12 really unpack what that rebellion looked like. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Some people think that this is, this is actually in chronological order where Isaiah six does happen after these, after he prophesies these things and right. now God's commissioning him to a kind of a, a second stage of ministry, a next chapter of ministry as it were. Uh, but, but what pastor PJ said is also a very valid way to approach this. Yeah. Yeah. Well in chapter six, it opens with the death of King Uzziah and that's interesting, right? Because he doesn't say in the whatever number year that was of right. King Uzziah's reign, he references his death. And uh, I think that was, uh, again, to, to focus the emphasis on, on just the negative situation that was facing the, the kingdom at the time and to contrast it with, because King Uzziah was a, a, a decent king for the people of Israel. I mean, for like 40 or 50 years, too. Yeah. He was around for a long time. Stability, you know, all of those things. Success. Security. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's gone and you can imagine the, the fear and the anxiety that would come with that. It would be very disconcerting. For sure. But I think Isaiah is offering us the picture of what really matters here. And that is God still reigning. That's right. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. You know, I was, Uzziah's gone. Who's going to take his place? Well, let's talk about the one that's still reigning, has always right. been reigning. He's not dying. Yeah. I saw someone tweet something to the effect of in the year that Justice Scalia died or something like that. Someone tweeted that when, uh, when there was someone on the yeah, Justice, Supreme Court. Yeah. Supreme Court. Because I mean, we put so much stock into the human leaders that God puts in our, in our lives. Yeah. And, and, and I guess rightly so. We see them. We should pray for them and we should care about their well-being, especially those who, who decree justice. Uh, but make no mistake, it's the Lord who's doing the work. Right, right. Well, he, uh, Isaiah gets a glimpse of the Lord and, and we should comment on this because he sees the Lord, right? Okay, so is he seeing Yahweh? Is he seeing the Father? I, I take this to be a Christophany. Yeah. I take this to be a pre-incarnate 
vision of Jesus because of the physicality of the description, mm. um, the train of his robe, right? He's, he's dressed, he's sitting on the throne. Okay. This, the, the only member of the Trinity who has a physical body is the son is Jesus. And so I believe that Isaiah is seeing the full glory of the son of God. Um, seated upon the throne here in Isaiah chapter six, hearing the angels cry. And the result is Isaiah is undone. He is completely aware all of a sudden of his own sinfulness in the, I mean, he's been focused on the sinfulness of the nation, but now he sees Jesus and he is completely undone by his own sinfulness and terrified and feels like this is it. I'm, 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 this is the end of my life. I'm, it's this over. is how everybody feels when they encounter the, uh, the effulgent glory of God. Right. And he, he, he gives himself a woe. He was right. woeing those guys. Now he's like, what was me? What was me? I'm done. Yep. Forget it. It's over. Good night. Yeah. Uh, but make, make sure you pay attention to this. People who come in contact with the, with the glory of God do not walk away saying, that was amazing. I'm going to write a book about this. <laughs> I'm going to tell people. Heaven is for real. <laughs> Heaven. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. He's a, or he's a big blue angel. I remember this. What was that book that the shack? No, maybe it wasn't the shack. It was, no, God was a, a black woman in the shack. That's right. He's a black woman. There was another, another, uh, I don't, I guess you would call herself a prophetess of some sort right. who talked about meeting God. And I guess Jesus, seriously, please don't, 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 this is not funny. She she talked about God making like fart jokes and like just the, the most crazy yeah. approach to God. Now you see Isaiah coming in contact with God. He's not he's not saying, "Oh, let's just make a funny fart joke." He's right. this is the Lord of glory. Right. He's become I mean undone. I'm, I am I, I am being a, like like that movie where uh, where the guy snaps his fingers and everybody dematerializes. What's right. that one called? That that Avengers Infinity yeah. War. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You're so hip, man. You just know all the cool references. You should be the end game actually is and it, 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 it's all related. <laughs> it's all related. Thanos snaps his fingers and everybody disappears. Everyone disintegrates. Right. That's where Isaiah is. He's at the verge of disintegration. Right. Woe is me. I'm undone. Right. The very fabric of my being is being threatened because I've become, I've come in contact with the King of glory. That's scary. Right. And, and we live in a culture that's wanted to domesticate God. Oh, that's and, a good word. And even the, even the godless in our society want to do this. I don't know if you all watched the Apple uh, keynote event that happened uh, last week or a week and a half ago or whatever, uh, but this made its rounds uh, around Christian, Christian Twitter as well, or Christian X or whatever, whatever it is now. <laughs> um, but this whole idea of this mother nature ad campaign that Apple oh, yeah, did yeah, yeah. where, Saw where that. mother nature showed up in the God place and she was calling Apple to account for how they took care of the environment. Yeah. And, it was supposed to be this lighthearted kind of comedic scene there. But even that is an evidence of the, our godless society wants to domesticate God and make God approachable. Mm. And he's not, he's not. When we encounter God, it, it undoes us. It does to us what, what happens to Isaiah. And this is true for us when it comes to the gospel too. When we are first con- confronted with our sinfulness, it should do to us what happens to Isaiah because the only solution for Isaiah is the only solution for us. The angel is dispatched from God. Now note the, the angel doesn't act independently here. The only way an angel acts is if God initiates it. So God looks at Isaiah in his state of being completely undone before the, the perfect holiness of, of Jesus and dispatches the angel with a coal from the altar that he touches the lips of Isaiah and brings atonement to Isaiah. There's a lot of layers at work here. So many good things there because the, the, the coal comes from the altar, which means there was fire on the altar. What, what was, was, was burning on the altar An offering. Mm. There was a sacrifice 
made on the altar, this coal is brought from the sacrifice being made on the altar, touches Isaiah's lips. We talked about that yesterday, that what we say reveals our heart, right? right. And the heart is the, the biggest problem. And it's atoning for Isaiah's sin. In fact, that's what the angel sin your, it says. Your sin has been atoned for, mm. which is then what allows Isaiah to stand up and answer the call of Jesus. And that's true for us when it comes to the gospel too. So one follow-up and one question here for you. Follow-up. I remember that the, the it's the seraphim who comes in and flies over and touches his lips with the, with the coal. Mm. The seraphim prior to that, he was singing with these other seraphim, the incessant glory of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God stops one of the angels from singing his glory to go and give forgiveness to Isaiah. Mm. That blew my mind. He, he does something. I mean, he, he, he lowers himself in order to serve mankind. Wow. That's amazing. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Okay. Here's the question. So at the beginning of this, of this, this illustration here, this, uh, this story, he talks about, uh, the Lord high and lifted up the train of his robe filled the temple. Is Isaiah seeing the heavenly temple that is, is represented by the earthly one? Or is he, is he seeing the earthly temple and seeing all this stuff take place? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's a debate that, that is had between commentators. Uh, is this, was he in the temple? Was he in the heavenly temple? Is this right. a vision? Is this the earthly temple? I, I take it to be the, the earthly temple because of the physical dimensions and, and things that are, are referenced there. And so I think he's, he's in the temple and I see, I think he's seeing this vision take place within the temple itself. And that, it, cause he talks about the thresholds shaking. Like that's the other thing too. Yeah. What's crazy yeah. to me is the thresholds shake, not under the voice of Jesus. Cause Jesus doesn't, doesn't speak at that point. It's under the, the calling of the angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. That's what causes the thresholds of the temples to shake is the praise of angels. Like how to the point again of, of people well, you don't walk away from God going, well, that was fun. <laughs> like that's amazing. Not in your flesh. And right. Yeah. Or you think about John in the book of revelation. He, when he sees the angel in the book of revelation, he falls down and worships the angel and the angels like, dude, get oh, up, back up, man. Back I'm not, up, back I'm not up, Terry. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> what you doing, Terry? <laughs> Yeah, they don't so, know what we were talking about. It. No, go, go look up. We the did name. tell them July fourth. We did, we did yeah. tell them about yeah. Terry. So if you were Back obedient to your pastors, then. <laughs> you. Anyways, yeah. So I think this is the actual temple. So his sin is atoned for. The Lord then asks, "Hey, who's going to go with this message that I have?" And Isaiah says, "Here I am, send me." Which we, again, we've made this kind of like cutesy, like "Here I am, send me." Like, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm ready, Lord. Coffee mug. But when you look at what God tells him, Isaiah is going to do. Like nobody signed up for this. No. Hey, you're going to go and have an ineffective, unfruitful ministry. No one's going to listen to you. Yeah. And Isaiah does. And that's, that's where he goes from here. And again, I think seven through 12 really kind of unpacks a lot of what that's going to look like. Talk about counting the costs. When you obey Christ, sometimes that call is to in in a lifestyle of pain. I mean, that's what Paul did. And this is what Isaiah did. Uh, Several of his saints throughout history have received the same call and have done so joyfully because he's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Real quick there. It may seem unjust to you when God says, Hey, I want to make this people dull lest they see and turn and understand and, and turn and be healed. Uh, this is, is not a, a group of innocent people. This is similar to what we find in Romans one, when people are turned over uh, to their sin and part of their judgment is the passive uh, allowance that, that God permits for them to continue in their sin rampantly. And that's, that's what he's doing here. He's closing their eyes and closing their ears to hear and, and, and turn in repentant hearts in an act of judgment against them. That's right. So bringing glory to himself again, again. Yeah. Yeah. Galatians chapter three, Galatians three opens with a question. Who has bewitched you? 
you foolish Galatians. Uh, are you under some curse to, to think that, that you can be justified by works now? And, and you've read this chapter before, I, I assume, maybe not, but he asked this question in verse three, are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now seeking to be perfected by the flesh? In other words, are you trusting works now after you trusted in Christ alone to, to start all of this? Um, because you need to remember that what makes you right with God is faith. And what makes you right with God is being a, a descendant of Abraham, a child of the promise. What does that look like? Well, Abraham was a, a child of, of God by faith. And so we must be children of God as well by faith. That's right. Um, and that's where he, he goes in here. But there's an amazing, amazing statement in verse eight. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, and well, you well, shall what? the nations be blessed. Yeah, preach the gospel. And so this answers that question, hey, how were Old Testament saints saved? They were saved through faith in the gospel. Now, we have a much fuller picture of that than they did because they didn't understand it fully. They didn't know exactly what they were believing in or trusting in, but they were trusting that God would bring an answer to the problem of the fall of mankind. And they were trusting and believing in the promises God made to Abraham, one of which would be that one of his descendants would bring that blessing. And that was Jesus. Yeah. And I guess one of the challenges for you as you read is that you might think you might disqualify yourself from being on the receiving end of this application. But I think we are just as susceptible today to having our relationship with God be defined by our legalistic obedience than by grace through faith. That doesn't change. Our relationship with God does not change just because we're now able to, and we should uh, commit to works of righteousness, Ephesians 2.10. Just because we have that doesn't mean that suddenly our relationship becomes, um, contingent upon that everything from start to finish is God's grace through faith, right? Even your sanctification. Right. And so then he goes on in the rest of chapter three there to talk about. So then what purpose does the law have? If the law is not, if I'm not right with God because of the law, then what is the law doing? And he gives the picture of, of the law as our guardian. Verse 24, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith because the law showed us that we couldn't be justified by works. And that's his point here. The law imprisoned us. The law kept us enslaved, reminding us that we could never be justified by obedience, by works, because we were always going to be shown our sin by the law, which is what the law does, Romans 7. And so instead, what was the law there to do? It was there to point us to the fact that we need something beyond ourselves in order to be made right with God. And that was the one that would come and perfectly fulfill the law, who was Jesus. So the law was there filling its purpose until Christ came. Mercy me, Phil Wickham song. <laughs> uh, then Christ came. Great then song. Then Christ yep. came. And now that the law is, uh, now that, that Jesus is here, that's the, the point the, that, that the law was there to do. It was to point us to Christ and to point us to faith in Christ. So it's kind of like the law was, uh, was, a, was a prod. It pushed us towards something. It, g- it gave us a sense of insufficiency in ourselves, check, and pointed us to the sufficiency of the one who is to come, right. check. Tell me then, Pastor PJ, in verse 27, how, how is that, what does water baptism have to do with all this? It says, for as many of you as are baptized uh, into Christ have been yeah. have put on Christ. Yeah, this is not water baptism. Oh. Yeah, no, this is the immersion into Christ that comes at the moment of faith, that we are placed into Christ, which is what baptizo means. And uh, this is the, uh, we might call it spirit baptism, being baptized into Christ Jesus. This is the moment of our salvation when we are uh, made part of the family of God through that act. So this is not water baptism, but uh, baptism into Jesus, the moment of conversion. Great clarification. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. This one was uh, a few minutes longer than yesterday. Sorry. But, uh, we'll keep working on whittling it down, we but hopefully it's beneficial it and good content. Yes. We'll catch you guys again tomorrow. See you tomorrow. 
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.